In the morning, when you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. The news with Jonathan Von Tobel and Steve Cofield, Tyler Bischoff and Ed Grady, not here today. So I'm, I opened the show, big day in Vegas, right? Because the Raiders, they strap on the pads. We're going to learn everything we need to learn today about the Las Vegas Raiders and their offensive line and all the questions. Big day for Las Vegas as well, because the Aces are your 2022 Commissioner's Cup champions. How about that? Big win for the Las Vegas Aces yesterday. And cash money. Do I put you guys on the griddle? What is the Commissioner's Cup? Here we go. Well, the Commissioner's Cup, Steve... Um, I don't know. Uh, I know, that, know. Well, I do know that it was. You can probably explain this more eloquently than I. In-season type of competition in which they compete for money and they. they cut. Okay, that's but the basics. Unlike yeah. unlike every other in-season tournament in every other sports league in the world, they just sort of designate games at, that are already on your schedule as oh, this one's a commissioner's cup, and then they add one extra game for the championship. I'm gonna get this wrong, but as as a WNBA expert Willie Ramirez told me yesterday. I think it's your first game on the schedule against those designated teams. Mm -hmm. And then the two best records go at it. But the the most important part is the money. Because I think some of it's for charity. But there's a $500,000 pool. The losers get money, too, which I actually think it should be winner take all. Of course it should be. That's Um, ridiculous. And we'll have to look look up the payout. But I think each player on the Aces probably got thirty or forty thousand dollars. Thirty was the figure I saw. Okay, yeah. thirty thousand. The max salary is two forty. Right. So for players who are making in the hundreds, which is still a very nice living by normal standards, thirty thousand dollars is a lot of money. Right. I mean, at, you know, at, you know, NBA people, you know, players would be like thirty grand. You know, Draymond Green brags all the time about just pissing away money, paying fines. But it is kind of nice. Would you want this competition in the NBA? I mean, with like, it wouldn't be five hundred thousand. That'd be like, I don't know what it would be. Ten million dollars goes to the winning team, winner take all. That's the thing is the the money would have to be it's because their salaries are so ridiculous and bloated. You'd have to put forth like because they're talking about adding an in season tournament, like potentially not the same format as like you said, like random games are this and going toward it, but an actual in season tournament. And the question is motivation. Like on a team with LeBron or Steph Curry, for example, who makes nearly fifty million dollars a year. How do you get them to buy into go compete, right? This is something where you're going to get these players to compete very hard, but that not so much. But I, I, I mean, I kind of dig it. They were and they clearly, if you watch the game yesterday, the players. I mean, look, like you said, it's a good chunk of their salary. They can add. They cared. They really did care. So Chelsea Gray wins the MVP, 19 points, four rebounds, five assists. Thing that stuck out to me: six bench points. Not great. Kind of been the thing for and this that's, team. That's their team. Right. They have a loaded starting lineup. Yep. So we're going to see if they're going to, you know, follow all the way through the playoffs or gas out. Did you also see that? So for those who don't remember, the um, all-star game for the WNBA, Kelsey Plum wins MVP. She gets a tiny trophy. Uh, yesterday, the WNBA commissioner shows up, and it looked like it was a Tiffany box that she gave to Kelsey Plum, like as like, hey, you know, a mea culpa. Sorry for the tiny trophy. Opens it up, and then it was an even tinier trophy. For Kelsey Plum. Good joke. Solid. Okay. Although Sense of humor. It says humor, although I think if you're the WNBA commissioner, the follow-up question is, if you know how tiny this ridiculous trophy is, are we going to step this up next year instead of swinging by the store on the way to the WNBA All-Star game and grabbing something? What would the commissioner say? What do you mean? 
If you ask, hey, are we going to get a bigger trophy next year? I, th- I, would, I would feel the answer is yes. I feel the answer would be, let me get back to you. I have to ask the NBA. <laughs> I mean, that's... Not to be a jerk, but that's this whole thing is limited by what the NBA is going to pay. And, you know, I mean, we can you get more complaining about the non-chartered flights, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and then what was it, two weeks ago, one of the coaches broke ranks and said he was tired of hearing the pissing and moaning and then had to apologize. Yep. Like, you know, because then you come off as anti-player. But the, the league's not that well-funded. There's a whole you know a whole discussion we can have about TV money and what you get at the gate. You know, then there's a the whole grinder thing. You know, they have to go to play in Russia, and now look what happened. Yep. So, the, the league, it's a really interesting league. And then the way it's covered. If an NBA player did consistently what Liz Cambage does, my God. Because you love the NBA. You cover the NBA. You see the way people speak about the NBA on social media. Can you imagine a player bailing on their team like five or six times, including their own country? Not at all. Can you imagine what 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 would happen to a male player who did that? Oh, I mean, they would obviously get destroyed. They would get crushed. It, it might be a like a, a 10-year running thing for Skip Bayless. Oh, for- <laughs> <laughs> he built he built a second career off of yeah, it. Yeah, he's got like six, you know, staple topics. Right. He has milked LeBron the entire time LeBron's been around. The entire time. So that leads us So tell tell the audience what happened with Big Liz. Can I just say this is my favorite form of journalism where event happens and everybody's like, huh, that's kind of weird. And then like the expose comes out. And you get all the details about what exactly happened. So we get news the other day that the Sparks, which is weird oddly worded, the Sparks and Liz Cambage have agreed to a contract divorce. Right? So she's no longer on the team. Well, we get the details now uh, because Chris Haynes, who does a phenomenal job for Yahoo and could be on the move, by the way. He's, I think he's a free agent coming up. I think uh, a lot of other networks have been sniffing Let's around. Do it. Midday show on ESPN Las Vegas. <laughs> Come on down. We have the money. Um, so Liz Cambage, apparently, after their loss to the Las Vegas Aces, one of their most recent games, decided after the game that she was done. Said, I can't do this anymore. Walked out of the locker room and quit. On the Los Angeles Sparks. The best part about this, there's lots of best parts about this story. The best part was, apparently, Cambage throughout the entire season had been such a just annoying wear and gnat on this team that in that game, they just said, you know what, screw it. You're going to keep complaining about a lack of touches. They just forced better post touches throughout the entire game to prove their point. You're not doing your job. So here you go. Here's six straight possessions. Post it up. Let's go. Do something. That's how bad it got where they were willing to throw a game, essentially, because they wanted to prove a point to her. And and that's the same game in which she's like, I can't do this anymore, I'm out. You're complaining about touches, they give you the touches, and you're like, can't do it, sorry, I'm out of here. There's a story with one of her teammates where she wanted her number. First off, she wanted the retired number. They told her no. So then another one of her teammates has the number she wants. I believe it was number one. And she says, hey, can I have it? Teammate politely declines. No, it's okay. I, this number is important to me, whatever. Goes behind her back, and eventually the team forces her to give up the number. She finds out about it on social media. Look, this is now just stop after stop after stop in which she's just been a pain in the ass, man. And I think a lot of people are now starting to catch on, like, in terms of, I mean, maybe, right? No, I mean, like, now? Because here's the thing. Was it the New York Times who wrote, like, that big... 
like peace on her and have like almost like a centerfold cutout, like you know, Liz Cambage, what was it like? Is tired of asking for permission or something like that, right? Like mm-hmm. this power figure. Mm-hmm. When in reality, she's just a. It seems to be a cancer on every single team. She's petulant. Yep. She's petulant. Her country. I mean, people who follow women's basketball in Australia freaking hate her. After yep. that New York Times piece came out, we uh, we had pulled some audio from. A morning talk show day just freaking blistered her. I mean, she's been accused in the past of the Aussie incident was basically they told her to leave. And then she, you know, she drummed it up as as if she quit. She was involved in a game with the, I think it was the Nigerian national team and dropped multiple racial slurs on it. And two of her Sparks teammates, by the way, with Nigerian parents who are from Nigeria, right? Probably didn't, and as they even note that in the piece, Haynes does. It's like, probably didn't get off to the greatest start. Now, remember, she also, she pulled the race card on Amber Dixon, who used to be a sports personality here in town, called her a racist because Amber Dixon dared to say, hey, Liz is not really a role model because she was posing for Playboy, which whatever, that's a whole discussion. But like immediately was like, you're racist. Okay. She also called a uh, white coach racist a couple years ago because he had the audacity to yell in a game that, she had drawn a foul. Hey, she's way too big. She, he said she's like 300 pounds, being hyperbolic. I don't think he said 300 pounds. I thought he said she's way too big Maybe to be drawing true. fouls like that. And, you know, the funny thing is that is one of her biggest problems is the league has gotten more sleek and playing FIBA ball. That's why the spark. That's why the um, aces are really good because they don't really have a true center. They've got a bunch of fours who can run up and down the floor, and they gas the hell out of people. And we had Cindy Brunson, who's a longtime WNBA announcer on a few months ago, and she told us before the season, this probably isn't going to work out because Liz, once again, is playing herself into shape. Yep. And I go back to the NBA. If an NBA big man, a seven-footer, I don't know, like Jaleel Okafor, right? If you're seven foot and 340 pounds and you're not in shape, guess what happens? You eventually get busted out of the league, and that's what's happened to her. But the the accountability with her is never there. Yep. And, and the media attention isn't there to really, you know, call her – on the carpet, so she's going to keep doing this. And I, I actually, I think she's done in the league. She, oh, that's that was my follow. I don't think she, I don't think she loves basketball. Um, and I, I actually do think she has issues. So I like I don't want to sit here and hammer her. But we, you know, we talked about it before the season. And Willie Ramirez and I, and again, Willie's really good on the WNBA. I said to him, I go, I will bet you right now that she does not make it to the end of the season. That was at the beginning of the season. And he was yeah. like, No, I'm not going to take that bet. <laughs> now, I'm going st- to still claim I won the bet, but right. no one bet me. Right. No, I, but you can see this coming. It's just, you know, to me, it's just she's, she's got. Pro- I think she's got problems. It's like you said. It's lack of accountability at every single stop. It's everybody else but me. Yep. And I'm sure that'll come in, in the next few days after this that this piece comes out. I'm sure there will be some sort of defense from her. And, and by the way, going back to the comments, it was from her video in which she called out the coach. She alleged that he said, "Come on, she's like 300 pounds." Oh, okay, so, that, that's so where, she said that's yeah, what he said, yeah. but I don't think that's what he said. Right? If you we're speaking English here, but you yeah. So who, so who's who's the uh, who's like the NFL or NBA? Comparison, like I get on Draymond Green, but Draymond Green's not like this. He's, right, gonna, he's, he's not going he's, stop he's, to he's, stop. And... He's mostly going to play. Yeah, and his teammates like him. Believe me, the Aces. You notice the Aces never spoke right. on Liz and the experience with Liz before she became Liz Angeles, which mm-hmm. uh, that cracked me up. Liz Angeles. <laughs> She's not gonna last, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't come up with some hokey nickname. I mean, football is it? Is it Baker Mayfield? No. Did you just wait? He has a lot of drama. I mean, he is. How but, soon before he's starting to complain in but Carolina? This is, but this is... Uh, and his teammates don't like him. Is he drama? 
I mean, I, I'm <laughs> stare even, down. Right. Like, is yeah. He, yes, I think he is. I don't think he is. I think he he pays way too much attention to what is being said in the media. But that's different from using potential racial slurs about opponent, like teammates that you might have, right? When you're going to come into the league, that's different from in film sessions as this is being reported, consistently calling out teammates, but then not taking the criticism back when it comes to watching the film and evaluating it. Right. Right. Like there's this is going behind a teammate's back actively after you asked them about something and got that done for yourself. There's no NFL wide receiver who's on this level. I mean, I mean Terrell my, Owens is the one that I was gonna say, popping like, into my head. That or like Randy Moss had a bunch of stops, you know, and there were some. Mm-hmm. You know, T.O.'s a good one. But T.O. I think is probably the best but one. But when T.O. played, T.O. played. Oh, T.O. played. Right. right. He was always awesome. Yep. And my boy Baker did have a, what, a 33 and 7 year last year, the other year or something like that? 30 and 7? Yeah, this, this is, is unlike most athletes we've ever seen. Right. And the difference is, too, is everywhere you go, it's just like everybody else but me, man. It's everybody else but me. All right, we'll take our break. On the other side, we have a, a lot more to get to. Now, how about this? So we're talking about lack of accountability. A lot of people in sports like to point at the big bad media, right? You keep spinning my words. Well, if you keep saying stupid stuff, then it's going to get talked about. We lost Lace. Stephen and I went over to Jonesboro and were a part of a lot of our staff, certainly our scouts, Jonesboro, Arkansas, when they gave a big memorial to Lace and Lace held court out here. And I've always, uh, uh, I'm going to get me somebody about my to stand up there with me and dress him up like Lace and think Lace is still out here helping us look at the... Uh, uh, look at the uh, uh, practice with us, but uh, you know we all need our props and little memory that goes with it. But uh, here he is to lace, uh, really, and I'm serious about that. Back to the press box, summer edition. I'm telling you, man. I feel. I'm gonna get some hot water here. Sometimes I feel like I'm in the right side of things with my mild ageism. What is mild ageism? I just feel like old people sometimes, man. Like, you just, you guys got to get it together. That was Jerry Jones, who I, I didn't even understand the story he was telling. But the bleeped out word was, of course, uh, you know, the other word for little people. That you can, is you can, you, we can say it once. It was midget. Yeah. You know, there's news value to it. We need to tell people what he said. Yep. And I saw that a little person then took up the issue and said, hey, you, you need to apologize. Yep. I, I don't know what to do. Because I... Because you're old? Like, well, first of all, don't lump me in at 52 <laughs> with a 79-year-old. <laughs> but I get it. He's there, only 79? I know. There are there are 50-somethings that trend very old. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is a bigger issue than just Jerry Jones. Do we cut, do we cut 70-somethings and 80-somethings a break? No. Well, what if they're... All of our leaders in the United States, <laughs> right? Like there's a, there's accountability. If you get in front of a mic and you can't simply learn that certain words have been kind of banned from our vernacular, mm-hmm. is that hard? Like, oh, he's old. She's old. You know? No. no. no I mean, we, we had that with Carolyn Goodman at the beginning of the pandemic where she's like saying just ridiculous stuff. And she was offering us like, up for experiments. Yeah. Like you're the mayor of Las Vegas. There wasn't a qualifier like, Oh, well she's in her seventies. So most of what she says you should listen to. All right. But I mean, there's like 10%. I mean, she's old. I don't, I actually, I don't That's think not it's, the way it works. If you, if you want to stay as part of society, 
then you mm. got to adjust to changes. And I mean, to me, the big, the biggest thing is, and this happens, and yeah, I, I'm going to be there at some point, right? Someone needs to walk up to Jerry Jones or me, old radio guy, Slap him. and go, you got to stop. You can't be in front of a mic as much as you used to be. You don't have it anymore. Okay. We're just, you're not as sharp as you used to be. And it's a hard conversation to have. It's not, that's not going to happen. That's never going to happen for a guy like Jerry Jones. We and well, I mean, I'll, I'll say it. We see it in radio all the time, yep. and it sucks because people obviously people need to make money, and sometimes they you know didn't save well. But with Jerry Jones, he can he can do whatever he wants, I guess, until the league steps in. But he doesn't care what the league has to say. He tried, you know, he tried to work with uh, you know Papa John Schnatz to to get 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 L fired. So right. he's going to do whatever he wants. But the you know the funny thing is, so he throws out this slur. We've already been through this with Jerry Richardson, yep. right? Jerry Richardson was like 80-something years old, and it got to a point where it was like, you know, he's talking about, you know, the women in the office wearing tight jeans and harassing people, and you can't just go, well, he's old. I mean, that's the way it was in the old days. Well, it's not that way now. He used to be mad, man, every day. Right? <laughs> it was okay. Incredible. By, by the way, that is the most incredible part of that show, <laughs> is it's just jaw-dropping the way dudes Dude, treated crazy. women. It's crazy. I When I watched that show, uh, I would call my mother all the time because my mother, I mean, I was going to say she was a working woman, not that way. She <laughs> she worked in the 70s and she was kind of a badass and, and she's like five feet tall and she would, you know, she's a little Italian and she'd be, you know, she'd basically tell guys all the time, go blank yourself. Yeah. And I would call her and be like, oh my God, this is what it was like in the late 60s and 70s trying to work as a woman. So whatever, we went yeah. off the path with, with Jerry Jones. Like, I, I don't, what, what's the league going to do? But here's the thing. I mean, I guess they, they, I, they would do it to a player. They probably should find him. It won't matter, but make a public spectacle of it. And at some point, talk to Stephen Jones, the son, and go, Steve, you're going to take over the team. You got to tell your dad. Is he, though? I mean, Jerry Jones is rich enough that I feel like he's got like some hyperbaric chamber that they're going to put his brain in once the body fails. Well, I mean, that's that's all. I didn't know he could stay alive forever. Right. He's just going to be a machine. Can they regenerate his brain? (laughs) Right. Because that needs to be done. But, Floated in goop, and but he's you just wonder talk through a voice box. <laughs> Will the league just tell him? You, you know, and at, at some point that's going to happen with Kraft. It probably should have already happened, right? Right. The judgment he used, you know, going to the massage parlors, like, bro, Johnny Kraft has been with the organization forever. His son. At some point, you got to you got to tell dad, like, you're doing this too often. You're embarrassing us. So here's the thing: as a, as an ageist, um, I don't think it's about age for Jerry Jones, though. I think that when he when he has a slip up like this. It is because he is in such an upper echelon, like a tier of money and power that he doesn't talk to people, right? Like normal people. He doesn't know what's happened the last 25 years. It's almost like it's happening below him. And every once in a while he makes a comment and somebody shouts up like, Jerry, you can't say that anymore. And he's like, oh, okay, sorry. You know what I mean? Was that, a joke? So was that a joke about little reality. people that is happening below him? No. I just, oh, uh, no, no. That's terrible. See? Well, you said the right term. Yeah. But no, I just think I it's insult, more about I insulted right people, term. but I used see that's all he had to do. Right. Because the whole you the you understood the story, right? Of course. A guy passed away, he was with the organization. He basically wants like a little Larry Lacewell mm-hmm. next to him so he can think that Larry's still around. Right. It's really weird. Also, I mean, here's the other part. That's <laughs> it's really weird. What? what? Actually, he if watched Austin Powers and went, that's, that's a what, great that's idea. That's what it was. But if we're, how old is that movie? If we're like, you know, afterwards, this, he probably looked at the side. He's like, Austin Powers, right? Current yep. movie. Like, <laughs> it was 30 years ago, Jerry. If we're looking at this seriously, the, the other serious aspect of him outside of using the term is he doesn't view them as people. They're props. <laughs> yeah. 
right? I well, mean, that's I hadn't the, even gone there. I mean, that's. I mean, I guess that would be the argument, right? Like, I mean, seriously, like that's if the you're insulting just, part, okay. right? I mean, outside of using the term, it's just like let's have one around for my entertainment. <laughs> like, like that's terrible. Now I'm learning, right? I didn't even see that as an old person. Yeah, see, so he's garbage. But he also just keeps talking. He's garbage. So here's, and this is the thing where you talk about like old people and like, you know, just talking for speaking sake. So the other day during the press conference, he, he goes into a full throated endorsement of Mike McCarthy. This is my guy. He wouldn't be sitting here if he couldn't win a Super Bowl. And trust me, I got, I got options. <laughs> what is that? Just gasoline. <laughs> Then, that was the that was the gasoline tank at the end. You just throw it on the fire. Like I'm gonna put out the fire, but you know what? I and I've got choices. Like that was what you were trying to quell. That was the thing. McCarthy the day before, he's like, I don't know where you're coming up with this narrative. And then his owner the next day is like, Yeah, he's my guy, but I got options. And he even said, This is the best part, is part of his media availability. He says something along the lines of because they're asking him about like a contract extension for McCarthy and what next year will look like. And he goes, You know, a year is an eternity. Yeah, like saying, you never know what happens at the end of a year. Like, he just refuses to just commit to the guy. Okay, and, I, I couldn't get down a uh, Liz Cambage will not make it through the WNBA season bet. Can we make a Sean Payton bet? Oh, he's like minus 500 to be the head coach next year. Of the Dallas Cowboys. Do I get plus 400 sure. on the no? Sure. I'll give you plus 450. I mean, I'm just... I'll I'm, give you plus I'm, 450. I'm, I am absolutely pissing away money here. <laughs> well, what, can I, right. what, what are you going to let me bet at plus four fifty? I mean, if I bet fifty bucks, you're going to give me two thousand dollars. We're going to be like some of these I mean, uh, and, and East it, Coast books. Our let, limits are super low. Put it in. I'll <laughs> cut it down to like ten cents. Let's bet ten dollars, and so you win two dollars. Sure. And you only have to pay me forty five. Right. You know, fifty five with my ten back. Okay. We explained betting well there. Yeah. Ten dollars. <laughs> I will take the no. But this is one of those where I, I win either. If I lose, I win. Right. Because I, I, right. I want Sean. I want Sean. But you set the number pretty high, right. so the 450 is kind of juicy. Because you thought I was going to put it like, what, like minus 200? No, I just, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what I was looking for, but you, you flipped me on it. I know he's going to be the coach after this year. Right. Mike McCarthy has no shot. And I'll say he has to make it to the Super Bowl. He could lose the Super Bowl, right. and he won't, he won't replace him with Sean Payton. Anything short of that, McCarthy has almost no shot. The more games he wins, the worse position he's in, right? Because if they win like 13 games, he better get there. Even if they win 10, like it's no win. It is no win for McCarthy. You have to win the Super Bowl or else. Aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him, but we aren't. It's time for our weekly visit with ESPN's Jason Fitz. Yep, you heard it. Now he does not, Jason. Get to speak with his good friends, Tyler and Ed. It's Jonathan Von Tobel, Steve Cofield filling in. Uh, Jason, good morning. We appreciate some time today. I wanted to actually open up with, first, a little WNBA, because I saw that uh, you and your cohort, Sarah Spain, had a little bit of a bet going on with the Commissioner's Cup and the Aces in the sky. Uh, first off, your thoughts on the result, because we're going to tie in some Liz Cambage into this, but uh, congratulations on the win. Yeah, no, it's a big win for me, and most importantly, Sarah needs to do a TikTok video now, and where she dances around, and that just the fact that I don't have to do that is almost as significant as the win. So, uh, but big for the Aces, by the way. Like I, I just think, you know, when you start looking at what the WNBA is doing, they're they're doing everything they possibly can to try and continue to generate interest, which I think is is huge. And the Aces are a team that, while they lack depth, can score on anybody. I think the Aces have a real 
amount of pressure on him this year to win it all, given the amount of money that was spent for Becky to come over and be the coach. I mean, I think it's an exciting time. So I hope that this helps them get good roots within the city and also hope it helps the WNBA continue in their growth trajectory. What's the biggest off-season factor that made the Aces good, really good? I mean, I, I honestly, I don't want to understate the hiring of Becky Hammond. I mean, I think when, when you talk about when you've got one of the best players in the world in Asia Wilson and then you've got Kelsey Plum, who you know you're going to get more minutes to in the course of the season, then it becomes what are you going to do to coach them up the best way they can? I don't think they had a coaching issue before, but this is a coaching improvement. And, you know, that, that in and of itself is enough to band together. So, you know, I think camaraderie matters more on teams, too. This team seems to have a very special bond. And if you watched early in the game last night, they were moving the ball so well. Like, when they are flinging the ball around and getting open looks, it's just like it's no different than the NBA. When you got a bunch of people that can shoot, then you can get out to an to early lead. My only concern is that, as everyone knows, there's a lack of, of depth on this team. So everybody has to bring it every night. That can play out poorly in a series. But, I, I mean, the growth of Kelsey Plum and the addition of Becky Hammond, I think, has made all the difference in the world. I agree with you. Hammond is the number one reason they're better. Number two was dropping Liz Cambage. Ooh. Uh, I mean, y'all, like, I, I hate to pile on here, but I went to a Sparks game when I was in L.A. last month. And, you know, those, those games are not weekday games for the Sparks. They're not huge, loud, wild crowds. You could hear Liz yelling up and down the court. And Chenea Ogumike has been a friend for a long time. And I went to support her, and I just kept thinking, even sitting 10 rows back, you can feel how just toxic it seems to be yep. when she's running up and down the court. Like, there's just certain people have a negative energy in everything they do, and you can feel that palpably in the stands, even with the Sparks. I mean, a couple of things on this, because you mentioned chemistry's better, right? Chemistry's really good with the Aces, so I think that's part of it. Liz is gone. And the other thing is, I, I'll push back on they didn't have an issue with Lambeer. Lambeer, as a big man, wanted to play traditional big man basketball, so they wanted a you know, 6'8", 250-pound center who you feed a bunch. Liz, in this WNBA game, if she's not in shape, is a detriment to your team. This is not a league that I think thrives with big man basketball. It just doesn't match anymore when you're getting up and down the floor. They, Becky Hammond has brought Spurs FIBA basketball to the WNBA. Yeah, well, and that's actually a really good point. It's an antiquated way of playing, and like you got to, you, you do have to look at it at some point and say the only teams, whichever league we're talking about, the only teams that slow it down are the teams that can't speed it up. Like that's just yeah. sort of like there's a play to your strength mindset, but I don't know that I necessarily always agree with that. I'm mean, just. Again, when you watch the ball movement that, that Becky Hammond has brought to this team, particularly, and the selflessness that they play with, uh, it's just—it's absolutely completely different. And when you think about some of the stories that we even read yesterday, with Liz talking about you know walking off the court and yelling at teammates for not finding her in the post more, even after wins, I, I just—that's not the way you're going to win long term. Jason Fitz, ESPN National, with us, of course, does uh, plenty of work on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty or. Sister Station, Cofield and JVT, and for the guys, uh, Tyler and Ed, with the uh, day off. Ed's on assignment. Uh, Tyler's on vacation. Just to over-explain it, Jason, I want to you know mention why they're, they're not here this morning. Um, let's make the transition back to something John and I were just talking about. We just made a bet on what Jerry Jones will do after the season with the Cowboys. Yesterday, we both think that he threw gas on the fire about McCarthy's job security. What do you think of him saying, he's my guy, oh, and I do have options? Yeah, I mean, there's just a moment where we're watching the ridiculous end of somebody that has been really good to football for a lot of years, for a lot of people as a brand, 
and has truly understood marketing and, and monetization better than most owners ever will. But my God, like just every time he speaks, he has to understand that there's collateral damage. This just gets worse and worse and worse. I mean, the Cowboys aren't the best team in the NFC, and Jerry Jones believes they are, and that's always going to be a problem. So, you know, it's much easier to move on from a coach than a quarterback. So if I'm Mike McCarthy, I'm a, you know, this is a good opportunity to just, you know, downsize the house a little bit, sell while the market's good if it is, and you start saving a little of that cash because I don't think he's going to be around next year. And I don't, even if they win 10 games, he's not around because Jerry Jones thinks that they should be Cowboys, the Cowboys should be Super Bowl contenders every year without realizing that he's part of what prevents them from doing that. It's not that different than what most of us lived at the end of Al Davis in his tenure with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with that, well, let's move on to a Raiders topic. Uh, we get the announcement yesterday, new play-by-play voices announced. Jason Horowitz uh, is going to be the voice that Raiders fans hear on the radio for a lot of these games. Uh, first off, uh, when it comes to like media circles and how this job is viewed, I get it. It's an NFL play-by-play game, uh, or excuse me, gig. But uh, is this viewed as like a coveted type of job when it comes to the Raiders play-by-play gig? So, you know, uh, there's a there's a tear on it um, because uh, as somebody that's from Vegas, I'll be very honest here, Vegas is a polarizing city. So not everybody wants to live in Vegas. So it's funny because is that, that gig itself viewed as, yes, elite? Absolutely, 100%. Franchise is what the franchise is. Does everybody want to be around Vegas that much? The answer to that is no. And, you know, for me personally, I look at Vegas as a, as a plus on any gig, but there are plenty of people that look at it as a minus. So, I think that complicates things a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, when you talk about uh, pre-Musburger, we, we all knew that this organization was all about particularly, you know, one voice for a generation, right? So, like, this this is one of those generational jobs that you can get with a franchise that is you've got some of the most loyal fans in the world, and your voice is going to be heard all over the world because of it. I, I think it's a, a great opportunity, and I'm sure he'll crush it, and it's going to be great for the team. Uh, but I think, honestly, that you know, Vegas, we have to remember sometimes – is a 40-something ranked media market, which makes some of this a little more complicated. Did you put in for the job? Uh, I made it clear that I would love to, to have had the opportunity, yes, but also he's wildly more qualified than I am. So I'm happy for it. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm never somebody – I mean, you're talking to somebody that, you know, I got to where I am from growing a podcast from zero to, the, to 100. So, you know, I've, I've always been fearless. Like, there's never been anybody I wouldn't ask to be a guest, and there's never been any opportunity I want that I wouldn't go for. But is he wildly more qualified than I'm? Yes. But uh, I, I think, you know, that's great for him. And ultimately, I'll, uh, not working for the Raiders is not something that hurts my heart. I have a great job with ESPN. But would I have loved that opportunity? Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting. And I think you're being nice about the wildly more qualified. What, did, what does that even mean in this day and age? Do we, when you hire radio play-by-play guys, do they have to be, you know, from the traditional path? I don't think so. I, I think they don't know. They don't have to be. I think if you've been around the sport, you understand that I think modern modern radio play-by-play is more and more like a, a show with two buddies talking during the game. Mm-hmm. I, mean, we, I think we see that quite often, and that's part of what you know we hear more and more of. And so that you know, would have always been my approach. But I do think that there is some skill. And you know, Adam Amin, for example, is a, a good friend. And to be very transparent, when I knew that I wanted to at least have my name in the hat, I talked to Adam a lot. And, you know, I was amazed at how much there is to learn about it, you know, and, and so he certainly gave me tips and tricks and ways to practice and ways to get better, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think that we have to realize that there are some necessities to making sure that down and distance and the way that you're calling it still keeps the listener informed they can't see it, but, 
you know, ultimately, I think the best radio combination will always be built on the best chemistry and camaraderie. And I don't care whether we're talking about a radio show or whether we're talking about a play-by-play during a Raiders game, for sure. Yeah, I would argue that you're certainly qualified because of your recent work on the hot dog contest. Well, uh, you know, that that in and of itself definitely at least prepares me for sideline reporter work. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. like, uh, I've always said this, that, the, the, the team that I grew up loving is the reason that I do what they do, do what I do. And they have relocated to the city that I was born in, in a city that I would love to live in again. So if there's ever an opportunity where I can be a part of something with the team in the city, I'm going to do that. Like, because it's great for, for life and for what's next for me in my chapter. At the same time, you know, I'll go into this fall with daily radio and I think at this point six different NFL or college football digital shows right. I'm hosting on top of that. So I'm, I'm – Happy to do what I do, but yeah, my, my love for the Raiders has been made very, very clear to the Raiders. They know that I'd love to work for them, but uh, you know that, that's it's, it's going to be up to them to decide if they ever want to pull that trigger. We had Joey Chestnut on uh, my afternoon show yesterday. He is in town today with Rays and Canes. They're opening right. a new spot on the Strip. He's going to set the chicken finger eating record. He's got five minutes What do you think he can do in five minutes with uh, Rays and Canes chicken fingers? How many can he eat? I mean, I don't know. I don't even know what the record is on that. There's no record. Is there, like, There's no record. He said uh, he he start the, he is starting the record with this event. It's on Facebook oh at eleven o'clock our time. I mean, five I minutes. Like, these how, chicken fingers. These are meaty raisin canes. Sometimes they're really hot too. And they're and I mean, <laughs> then you got really and you hot. got the breading. I mean, how many, five minutes? How many chicken fingers can you eat? I mean, it's got to be dozens. But the question is, just how many? Like. So here's the, the crazy thing that I learned from the hot dog eating contest is that they, they try to chew as little as possible. So it's, it's really, can you bite it off in ways you can just bite swallow as quickly Oof. as possible? So he's going to have to do that. But if there's sauce on those, that's going to slow him down. And the breading is going to get caught in his throat. Like, I think this is going to be, this is really interesting. Is there a crowd there also? Because let me tell you, uh, if there's anything I've learned working with Joey Chestnut, yeah. what, three years in a row, man, when there is a crowd there, my guy finds another level. Like it is, it is wild how he goes from meek, mild, quiet person that can eat a lot to suddenly WWE superstar in the like the minute there's a roar of his name. He told us he thinks he can eat one every six seconds, and he expects oh to he expects to put down fifty in five minutes. <laughs> Jesus, fifty. You know what? Hammer the over. I don't doubt. I know. I don't doubt that. Like I, I can't like. I, I, there's no way, especially because the other side of it is too, like, I've never seen anything like it. When I interviewed him right after he won this year, he apologized to the crowd because he said he really felt like he disappointed so many people on the 4th of July by not eating a bigger number. That's only going to make Joey train better. Have you, have you seen him in person? How's the leg also? Like, is, is, is the leg still in a boot at this point? Are we still booted? He's, uh, it's still busted up. I don't know if he's booted because we also threw the question at him. Could he beat Usain Bolt? In a hot dog slash 100 meter contest, um, and and he he broke it down, but he's like, yeah, my foot's not good yet, so I I would have a tough time running. Jason, tell the audience here what is on the docket in terms of what you're doing for college football this season. Uh, yeah, so this year uh, we'll be doing the playoff ranking show again on Tuesday. So this year digitally, I'll be hosting Monday Night Football for ESPN on the digital side. I'll also be hosting the rankings reaction show. Every Tuesday, every Friday, we'll do a weekend preview show. Every Saturday, we do a recap show, and that's all stuff that you can find on the ESPN app, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. We are really proud that over the last few years, we've built a a group of shows that average over a million viewers a week, every single week digitally. So 
it's a it's a huge opportunity to get to be the sort of I always tell people if you made Reese or Greedy have three drinks and do their job, that's what I'm doing every single <laughs> every single week on uh, on digital platforms. So I hope everybody will come up, hang with me. You can find it all on uh, Twitter too at Jason Smith. Jason, if you could though, I mean, step it up in terms of the work. All right, you really don't have enough <laughs> on your plate. What's going on here? I mean, don't forget to Lazy. use Spade and Fish Monday through Friday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Friday. <laughs> five, five day a week show. Jason, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. All right, there you go. He wanted the Raiders show. That was pretty clear, right? Yes, of course. I think you have, if, if you're in that position to be a play-by-play guy, play-by-play is never like attracted, but attractive to me. But if you were to ask me if I had an opportunity, hell yeah. What do you think of him and the Vegas part of it? The people not wanting to live yeah, here? Yeah, you started doing the Arthur Fist. Of course. This yeah. is my town. The Von Tobles, one of the founding families. Yeah, I, I mean, that's... Get it. Actually, especially well, if we're getting like really deep in terms of you know the water and the future and all that kind of stuff, you kind of get it. That wasn't it, though. No, I don't think that was the key part. It was market size. But the market's growing. I because, would, I would because, argue that that's incorrect in terms. If that's well, if that's why you don't want to be here. Yes, I think the argument very much is this is clearly a market that's going this way. I'm pointing up. Would you make four? <laughs> would you make up. four? I'm not trying to get you in trouble with your current company. And this is a confidence thing, so I'm interested to see what you say. If you lived in the New Jersey, New York area, would you be making four times what you make right now doing gambling work around New York? Because I think that's what he was getting at. I mean, is that if you're asking people who live in the Northeast where there's a ton of jobs and a lot of companies are headquartered, that's a big decision for someone to leave that area. Because you get a lot of work, a lot of side work. It is. But would you would the rebuttals be something like obviously taxes, cost of living, things like that? I mean, it's not just like a one to one exchange, right? Just because you're making more over there doesn't mean it spends the same way. That would be my argument. Uh, before we go, though, for anybody listening, early morning, we've got good news for you. I've got something to give to you: two tickets to the Red Hot Chili Pepper Saturday, August sixth, at Allegiant Stadium. Tickets, if you want them, Ticketmaster.com. But, hey, why not just win these? Caller number 21, 364-1100, gets two tickets to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's out towards center field. That had a good sound to it. That's got some carry. Back at the wall. It is gone. Shohei Otani with a 21st home run. one nothing Halos. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition. Headline, you ready for this? MLB trade rumors. Mets calling Angels about Shohei Otani. He'll never go. He doesn't <laughs> want to be there. How do you know that? I, it's just a thought. I mean, part of the, um, the courting process with Shohei Otani when he was first coming to Major League Baseball was that he preferred to be on the West Coast, if I remember correctly. Um Right, And then it's funny because it's actually one of my favorite clips ever from Mike Francesa, and there's a lot, uh, where it was pretty clear he wasn't going to, going to go to the Yankees. So he goes, I, the Yankees don't want him anyway. <laughs> right? yeah. no, we don't even, he's not going to be any good, he's, so we don't want him. He's so, not a New York player. Right. <laughs> Turns out he's pretty damn good. He's not going to be that good. No, 200 so, strikeouts and 35 home runs every year. But I'll say this. And I mean and, 200 as a pitcher. Yeah. And, and, when, and by the way, that matters too, right? Because... If because they have control of him, I think it's like 16 more months in the arbitration, all that kind of stuff. But if he's not going to resign with the team that acquires him, obviously the package gets cut in half, whatever it is. Right? If the Mets are using him as almost like a year and a half rental, right? So you make the push for a World Series in the next two years, 
I mean, you can get something out of him, but I think you want to trade him if you're going to trade him to a team that has the potential to resign him. Obviously, San Francisco, San Diego, L.A., those would probably be the teams at the top of the list. So as an Angels fan, you do want him dealt to try to rebuild the franchise, or yeah. you don't? Want him out. Love him. Want him out. Really? <laughs> Love him, but want Otani out. Because here's the thing. You want the state to get involved and <laughs> take away the child. <laughs> right. Because here, here's the thing. It's, again, it's the same thing with Mike Trout. Yeah, ship sailed, man. Like I'm tired, I'm tired of them doing this every year. They do it every year. Unless you're going to go all in on rebuilding the pitching staff, signing multiple arms, like quality arms, both bullpen and starting staff, going to get position players that aren't about 30 and going to fall apart. Anthony Rendon, Albert Pujols, we can go down the list, right? Josh Hamilton, continue to go. Unless you're going to be serious about this, which they have clearly shown that they aren't, ship him off. Ship off Mike Trout, get all of the prospects and assets that you possibly can, and do what the Houston Astros did, which was suck terribly for a really long time, and build that thing right up. But here's the thing, too. You trust the Astros to do that because they have a track record of drafting and developing guys. When Last time I was on here in the press box, Tyler and I were talking about the way that they, they, they develop pitchers. It's crazy. I don't trust the Angels to do that. The shotgun method. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? I mean, it's almost like just just throw bodies at it. Just get as many assets as you can because even if you suck at developing them, one of them's got to hit if you just got to like an, like an insane number of them. So, yes, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, see ya. Love you. Damn. But see ya. That's depressing. It is. Major market team, and you have really, you actually have no hopes either way. You don't trust them to rebuild. And you don't trust them to spend their way out of the problem and build around two superstars. No. Why would you? And it's just so like, then. So isn't the move then to strip down your management and bring in a management team? I don't know. But it's every steal, year. Steal more guys from the Rays. But here's right. No. That's what the Dodgers did, and the Dodgers built like you know Tampa with three hundred million dollar payroll. They need to go out and or I don't know. Go go and get whoever the two, the three, and the four are with the Astros and get them. No, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. How about, you know what? Go get Jerry Depoto in Seattle. Oh, wait. He was your general manager. And he was terrible. Why? Because the system around him was terrible. And he goes to Seattle where it's a management system that kind of buys in and understands what he's trying to do and everything like that. And he has done a tremendous job with Seattle Mariners. Do you realize I don't believe that there are even Southern California sports talk radio shows who do Angels rants right. like you just did for four minutes? <laughs> right. That's, that's a, the other part. That's like, another no, problem. Nobody cares. Which is pretty outrageous because Orange County alone is like, you know, would be like what? Probably the uh, eighth most populated state. Right. There's plenty of people there to build a market, build a big market team, and do it the right way. But man, they suck consistently. Even the Mets. Are good now. Yeah. Why? Why are they good though? Because they have a billionaire owner yep. who treats a team like, "Hey, this is just fun. Let me spend money." And, yeah, and the the Angels should have the Angels should have a two hundred fifty million dollar payroll. They should. But here's the thing: they just spend it in all the wrong areas too. Rendon was a terrible signing. It was it was awful. But but guess what? What are the what are the what are the the powers of baseball do? The Dodgers, the Yankees. What do they do? You make a mistake, you keep spending. Yep. Because <laughs> you have it. They have it. Spend it. So they just don't want to do that. So there's your there's my daily Angels man whenever I come on ESPN because the rumors are uh, starting to heat up that Otani uh, might be on the move. Uh, all right, third hour on the way. Man, it flies by when you're having fun. A little bit more on the hire for the new play-by-play voice. And why does one broadcaster just refuse to admit the truth? You kind of suck and nobody wants you, dude.